The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'd like to think theologically with you about the war in Ukraine. To name what we have all seen, President Putin launched a war without provocation, seeking to expand Russian territory toward the former Soviet Union. The people of Ukraine are bravely defending their country, but they are vastly outgunned and outmanned. Putin cannot afford to look like he lost. He will probably bomb the country into desolation having already destroyed over $100 billion worth of infrastructure. So the democratic governments of the world are doing everything in their power to make this war so economically expensive and so politically damaging that Putin won't invade any more countries. But they're also desperately trying to avoid a war with Russia because Russia is a major nuclear power. Putin may not be a rational actor at this point, and he disregards the rules most countries agreed to follow after World War II. Beyond the chessboard strategy session, the war is killing people by the thousands. Civilians are being buried in mass graves, including women and children. I watched a hard-to-view video of a coroner pulling bodies off a flatbed truck. They were wrapped in garbage bags, and he slid them over the edge of a mass grave, and you could hear the thunk as they landed in the mud, eight feet down. A bulldozer covered them with soil, and he was really sad. It was devastating, and I know that's the word that gets overused, but that's how it felt, to see, to feel this cost of war. But it also felt important to bear witness to this loss, these lives, these people who had died, to grieve alongside their family and friends, even from across the ocean. Jesus pauses on his way to Bethany to weep for his friend Lazarus. He's going to Bethany called the House of Sorrow. And I believe we are called to cry along with him and along with those who have lost their loved ones. So beneath our righteous anger at Putin and his cronies thus far afraid or unwilling or both to oppose him, let there also be a tender sadness for the people who have died and the lives that have been uprooted. Women and children have died, a maternity ward was bombed, a kindergarten was attacked. Many of the Russian soldiers don't know even why they're in Ukraine. They've been confused, they've been sold a tale of lies, and thousands have died on both sides. There is no glory in war, only tragedy and devastation. Nobody ever wins a war, because humanity loses every time. Wiser political and economic minds will help us make sense of these events in the days to come. What we might offer in this community is a theological and ethical reflection, using Psalm 27 as our guide. I invite you to follow along on your, on your phone. I invite you to pull out your phone. You can go to BibleGateway.com 
and I recommend the NRSV translation, Psalm 27. We read, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The central insight here is that hope and fear go together, like sisters and brothers and siblings. Whatever we might hope for is the absence of fear. We fear the absence of hope. God is understood here as the source, the emanating point from which comes light and salvation. And we read in John's Gospel that the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not, has not, and will not overcome. The darkness will strive to overcome the light again and again, but it will fail. Light drives away darkness. As Dr. King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The Ukrainian people do not want this war. They want peace. They've told us that clearly many times. And at the same time, their moral courage calls them to defend their ideals, their country, their ability, and their right to govern themselves. They have inspired the world with this light. NATO is more united than ever before. Here in the United States, the entire Congress of all three parties, Democrat, Republican, Independent, stood to show that we are united behind the people of Ukraine. And I thought to myself when I saw that, when was the last time we saw Congress agree on anything? The light shines in the darkness. And the psalmist oscillates back and forth between reasons to fear and reasons to hope in God. And I love that. It's so honest. Perhaps there is a word for us in this text today. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That metaphor of stronghold appears many times throughout the Psalms. It, it comes from military situations where a well-positioned, strong wall could protect you from an enemy assault. And I'm thinking about the subways of Kiev, the stone walls of Jerusalem, and I'm also wondering what it's like to be on the other side of that wall. I imagine there's fear. I imagine it's terrifying to be inside of a stronghold. Even if you're inside a bunker, even if it's the best place to be, even if you're in the subway waiting for the area of the sirens to stop blaring. And I wonder what it would feel like to have such faith in God that that metaphor feels real. That God becomes the safest place to draw refuge, come what may. Next, the psalmist enumerates reasons to be afraid. When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they stumble and fall. Putin badly miscalculated. He thought he could so overwhelm Ukraine by force that they would surrender in two to three days. And let the record show he is still standing 18 days later. Putin has stumbled and fallen, but experts expect he will regroup. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. 
Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. Even as a 40-mile-long convoy, convoy moves to encircle the capital of Kiev, the people of Ukraine remain defiant. They remain confident. I wonder if the psalmist is trying to convince themselves and us that we can draw strength from God's providence, especially when armies encamp and wars arise. And so here you see hope living alongside fear, like a left foot and a right foot walking side by side. Of course, there's a pitfall here. We can't just let go and let God. That's bad theology. Because we are called to trust and hope in God for sure, but we are also called simultaneously to work toward God's kingdom of shalom, which is a just peace for all of God's children. It would be dangerous to call anyone to complacency in the face of evil. Rather, we are called to a faith that trusts God and empowers us through the power of the Holy Spirit to participate in God's work in the world. Why? One thing I ask of the Lord that I will seek after to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. The language of discipleship really means to be a learner, to be a studier in the way of God. To seek after God is to know God's way of unconditional love. This is not naive. It is the only way forward. On a hot, flat, and crowded planet with nine nuclear powers, Dr. King was right. We will either learn to live together as the human family of God, or we will perish as fools. And now the psalm turns to a plea. Do not turn your servants away in anger, you who have been my help. Do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. Perhaps the greatest fear is that God, source of light, strength, safety, justice, would turn away from us in a time of great suffering. And it makes sense to be afraid, especially when circumstances are dreadful. I so appreciate the honesty of the psalmist's prayer. That God would deepen our faith, asking, Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. My enemies are breathing out violence. What might we learn of God in our dependence on God that would carry us through this time? Noelle York Simmons put it really well this week. She said, I believe in a God that weeps with the desperate and holds tight to the mourning, celebrates with the joyful, and walks with the refugee. I certainly cannot predict the end of this war. I cannot say that right will prevail and Putin will go home with his tail between his legs, never to lash out again. But I can say, I believe in a God who is faithful and just, who never turns away from us. I believe God walks with us, knows each of us by name, including those who have died, loves each of us by name, including those who have died, and dreams of a just peace for this world. I believe that we can hold hope and fear in the same sentence, actually that we must 
hold hope and fear in the same sentence. If we're not afraid right now, we're not paying attention. But our faith also calls us to an audacious hope, which is not a blind optimism, but hope in the face of difficulty that the darkness will not prevail, that the light will continue to shine. And the psalmist ends with great wisdom for us all. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Now, I like to think of myself as a storyteller, and I like to wrap, wrap things up real pretty with a bow, especially at this part of the sermon. This is the part where I normally would want to say something to make you feel good, send you home with something to tell your friends about. But I can't do that today. I can only say that hope and fear go together in a package deal. And if the psalmist knows enough to trust in the Lord, the God of light and salvation, the stronghold, the rock, if the psalmist knows enough to wait on the Lord, then perhaps we too can take courage in that truth. Wait for the